You're listening to the iRacers Lounge Podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chris Scales. Good evening. David Hall. Hello. Greg Hectus. Hey, everybody. And special guest, Evan Pasoko. Thanks for having me. Hey, well, thanks for coming back, uh, making a regular thing of this to talk about those Coke races. And of course, we had a great race to, uh, this week at uh, Richmond. Uh, let's get into that. But first, Evan, before we get into the Coke race, tell us a, kind of a what are you doing these days? <laughs> and what are you involved with that has to do with iRacing? Just give us a kind of a tidbit about uh, how your life is going. Yeah, so we, we were just talking before we, we went on here that we just wrapped up uh, the IMSA iRacing Pro Series broadcast. So uh, I've been taking a look at my schedule. I think the last night that I didn't have anything, uh, aside from Easter Sunday, would have been uh, April the 3rd. So obviously it's the Coke stuff on Tuesday nights, and that's in the broadcast booth. And then uh, Saturday Night Thunder is going to be back this weekend uh, for the Pro Invitational Series. So that'll be, uh, you know, Xfinity and Truck Guys. So I'm in the booth for that on Saturdays. Uh, I'm also doing the play-by-play stuff for the Subaru IRX All-Star Invitational Series. So that's every Friday night at 6 Eastern. And then, of course, uh, I do my, my normal Monday night RSR broadcasts on RaceBot. And uh, on Coke Off Weeks, it's the replacement series. So, you know, that's kind of the in the booth stuff. I'm doing uh, the court stuff on Court Vision in the booth on Wednesdays. So, you know, two thirds of the nights are taken up in the booth, but I'm also trying to stay busy because iRacing is so busy helping out behind. So, I mentioned the IMSA event. Obviously not in the booth for that one, uh, but I was a spotter. So basically just helping the broadcast out and locate battles and, and checking telemetry and pit deltas and all that and kind of feeding it uh, to Drew and everybody back at the office so they kind of know what we should, you know, look at in the broadcasts. And then, uh, you know, when it comes to all of the Fox stuff, um, I'm uh, managing the TeamSpeak stuff. So a lot of these drivers, uh, you know, the guys who aren't iRacing people, they don't really know how to work TeamSpeak all the time, get their mic set up, get around from different rooms, um, so I, uh, I don't want to say I'm the babysitter, but I'm the handler who makes sure that everybody is, uh, you know, if Mike joins, Jeff Gordon want to talk to somebody, I got to go pull them out of their driver radio channel, give them a mic test and then get them up into the on-air room, move them back down. So I'll be doing that uh, for IndyCar and for NASCAR uh, for this weekend as well. So just kind of kind of sticking my hand up and volunteering to j- do, uh, you know, just about anything these days. Wow, that is a busy, busy schedule. And uh, man, it, 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 do you feel like it's an oversaturation? I mean, I hear that from some NASCAR fans that this it's too much. But what do you think? Well, that was the, the concern. And, and right off at the top, you know, when we first found out that we weren't going to have any on-track racing, everybody's like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's get something. And it took a couple of weeks to get the ball rolling. And now... I mean, you ha- obviously everybody wanted to get involved. So we knew NASCAR was going to do something because obviously NASCAR and iRace should have had a very good relationship having the Coke series in the first place. Um, so, you know, and that's happening. Uh, it was super cool to see IndyCar come over. And obviously they're now doing a couple of rounds of the IndyCar iRacing Challenge. Um, you know, and so you have like your your demographics or your, your styles of racing. You got NASCAR, you got IndyCar, you got the World of Outlaws stuff. Uh, that has been happening on on Dirt Vision and on FS1, and you know we mixed that up this week for the Wednesday night iRacing, uh, which I also helped out with. Uh, but I think that 
when you take the community events into it as well, because obviously all these companies are calling iRacing, all these different racing series, and been like, hey, we want to do something. So I think if you look at it just in the officially sanctioned stuff, you've almost got something for every night of the week, you know, with a one or two nights off. And I think that's a good number. But obviously the community is itching to get involved. And a lot of these pro drivers who are parts of the community are also getting involved. So the stuff like the E-Truck Series Night in America and the Replacement Series that I mentioned, if you counted every organized event, uh, I actually have a major iRacing events option on my Google Calendar. And if I click on that, there's like two to six events a night if you want it. So I think that it's uh, it all depends on how much you're willing to take in. I think that you know NASCAR has their thing. If you're if you're a fan of a specific series, I don't think it's oversaturated because if you follow IndyCar and social, you know they're posted about theirs. NASCAR's posted about theirs, and and iRacing's kind of sharing the big things. But if you're a person in the community, I think I can understand how it feels like there's so much going on, but. You don't have to watch everything. I can't watch everything. I would like to. Can't do it. I think that, uh, you know, having the option there to watch content if you want it is good. It, it's something else. I don't think I ever dreamed it would ever be like this. Uh, but with the coronavirus thing and everything and and sponsors being involved and TV being involved, and NBC and Fox, and it's really driven it. And uh, it's gotten to this point, like you said, there's content everywhere. <laughs> If you're a race fan, it's like a dream come true. It is. And obviously, I like driving in a lot of this stuff as well. So watching the IndyCar stuff, it's like, hey, I should go drive an IndyCar on iRacing. Seeing some of this IMSA stuff we did today, it's like, hey, I should you know, go drive some GTE cars at Laguna Seca. So if for me as well, as you know, I've always been a big NASCAR fan, and I now watch IndyCar and F1 and you know that stuff as well in the real world, but I think that seeing all of these different things is kind of like a, a racing fan's dream because honestly, it's exposing me to more racing that you know the World of Outlaw stuff and some of these other events aren't always easily available on cable TV or online. Uh, you know, a lot of it normally is behind a paywall, or you got to go out to the local racetrack, and you know sometimes it doesn't work with everybody's schedule. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of folks like me who are getting exposed to, and I think you know kind of finding out, hey, I like this, it, you know, to various forms of racing that maybe they didn't closely associate with before. I just got to say, when I watched saw the IndyCar race at Texas. And the product is the same as the real IndyCar race at Texas. And I'm literally sitting on the edge of my seat. I'm literally holding my breath. And I'm gasping every time, you know, Tony Kanaan and, you know, he, and these guys are rubbing wheels and, and stuff. Uh, it just amazes me how entertained I was with that race. I was just blown away. Yeah, there's there's so many ones I got to do, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, the uh, the, the throwback kind of bomberito race where we did IndyCars at Worldwide Technology Raceway and, you know, had a couple of the IndyCar radio guys on the broadcast with me. So that was cool from my perspective, seeing, of course, uh, the IndyCar guys involved and, you know, kind of on that point that I made about I'm getting exposed to some racing that I may not have followed quite as closely before. I mean, there's some of the IndyCar guys who are doing some of these NASCAR community events. Of course, a couple of the NASCAR guys are now, you know, doing the IndyCar stuff. We saw Dale Jr. do last week. I think Kyle Busch is going to be racing uh, this week at Twin Ring Motegi. So uh, it's it's nuts. I, I'll agree with uh, the point that you made a little bit earlier that I think that when this whole shutdown started and we thought, hey, you know, this could be a big moment for iRacing, our, our kind of sim racing community, is maybe more people will get to see, you know, what we love and what we enjoy, and maybe they'll like it too. And I think that 
it's uh, kind of blown way past the the amount of attention that uh, we we could have expected. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get to the best racing of the uh, week so far. I saw was the Coke race, so let's jump into it. Uh, so we got Richmond uh, fairly clean there. At the, I kind of missed the beginning, but uh, looked like it was clean, and then a, a caution at lap fifty. Uh, after the cleanup, it was Zelensky, Conti, Overland, and Tian in the top five. And then uh, shortly after that, Jarl Tian, who uh, we talk about a lot tonight, he uh, spins on lap 60 after Carl Keister uh, barely gets into him. And I, th- I think that was kind of the uh, theme of the night was if you were on the outside and you touched the car on the inside, you're going to the wall. Yeah, and this is something that I, I was talking with earlier on uh, some NASCAR stuff that we're going to be putting out tomorrow is that you know, the way Richmond works is it's a fun track, but you do have to fight for the bottom. And you can kind of dare people to kind of bonsai you because you're going to be going wide uh, down into one and down into two. So that inside line's kind of wide open. And if you get stuck up on the outside, you're going to be trying to pinch down to, to make it a viable option. Because if you really squeeze, you could stand some sort of a chance. And obviously, uh, you get a little bit of a touch here. And, and when these cars break sideways uh, with that short track package, you're not really going to have a good opportunity to catch it. So, I mean, there were flashes of great racing. Of course, nobody wanted a 16 caution flag race in a 200-lap event. Um, but uh, I think that there, there was certainly good racing mixed throughout and uh, provided a lot of drama all the way through. Yeah. And whoever was on the outside in all the incidents throughout the race always seemed to get the bad end of the stick. Uh, lap 85, it was still green. The top two kind of broke away a bit. Uh, Bobby Zelensky, who was running up there, uh, faded quickly uh, from the front, clear to the back. It wasn't clear why. I think after the race, he indicated he had some overheating problems from some slight damage. Yeah, and, and we weren't sure, and we saw that there was some front-end damage on it, and, and I think that Justin had mentioned at the time that, you know, maybe he's he's overheating a little bit, and uh, at that point, you know, we were really concerned because, I mean, Bobby had a really good car. He, he started up in second spot, thought that that was going to be the end of his night, and lo and behold, through all the chaos, uh, he actually ended up finishing fourth, so he was able to maintain the points lead, even though at that point it looked like it was going to be an ugly night because... You know, we're still early in the year, so you finish last in one of these, and even for the points lead, you drop down, you know, three, four spots at minimum. So it was a really good recovery. Yeah, and Chris Overland was leading, and uh, I'm sure all all the guys on his team were uh, shouting for him. Good to see Chris up front. Uh, Jimmy Bullis uh, was also having a great night, and he got around uh, Chris Overland about lap 95 for the lead. And then on 98, uh, caution, Logan Clampett, he was on the outside of a three-wide kind of thing, but it looked like it might have been net code. And I think we saw a couple of the cautions that could have been net code. And, and the tough thing as well is I think a lot of those three-wide incidents is drivers really didn't know they were three-wide. I mean, you know, Richmond, that racing groove ain't wide enough for two cars. You know, it's kind of wide enough for one and a half, one and three quarters, not two, certainly not three. So you'd have guys, you mentioned if you're on the outside, you're getting the short end of the stick. You know, you can't just go way, way up and give them a ton of room on the bottom because if you do, you're up and into the marbles and, and you're done. I mean, that's it. So, uh, you know, we had guys maybe cutting the uh, the margin a little bit too close for comfort. Then they 
I guess could have and and then obviously when you're when you're leaning on each other like that uh, you can get caught out in those those kind of incidents but I, I do want to add on as well uh, I love to see Chris up front and of course he gets up front and I start running through the stats of you know this many starts and this many second place finishes and he wants that win and I always feel like I get Jinx. excited and I want to talk about that I know but it's like the commentator's curse so next time Chris Overland goes to the race lead if I just totally do not acknowledge the fact that he's up there it might be because I'm trying to like reverse engineer uh, the bad luck that he's had because he's had fast cars on numerous occasions and, you know, he's leading at halfway instead of the end. Yeah, go slip angle. All right. Uh, caution lap 112. Uh, Garrett Lowe uh, got was on the outside, I believe, got tagged by Jeremy Allen. Uh, then back to green, the top four was Luza, Wallace, Novak, Schallner. Uh Somewhere right before that, Luza came from, I think, mid-pack up into the top 10. In his interview afterwards, I think he said he wasn't sure how he just got up there, but he just did. And he made me look good after at the start of the night, I thought I was going to look real bad because I have not been doing real well in our little uh, iRacing Esports Network booth fantasy, uh, you know, kind of picking the winners and, and we're tracking points for that. And, uh, you know, Luza, I just like the numbers, the fact that we had had three consecutive back-to-back -back winners at Richmond, and of course, Luza winning last year, I was like, all right, I like those numbers, Luza's fast, why not? Does he go for three in a row? And then, obviously, we make we have to submit these picks a day before, so we don't know qualifying times, we can't look at that hour practice session, and we get in, and he's like 37th in qualifying, and I'm like, great, you know, of course, I'm, I try to take the safe pick, and I'm going to look dumb, and yeah, he drove through the field, uh, he kept it clean, and I think that was the biggest thing, but he had speed the whole time, I think he just messed up his qualifying effort, uh, I mean, I was concerned, because he wasn't even top 15 in practice, uh, but who knows, maybe he was uh, putt-putting around and sandbagging a little bit in practice, and then just missed the cue, because he was fast, and we saw that when he got up front. Oh, yeah. When, once he got out there. But uh, back to green after that top four was uh, Luza, Wallace, Novak, Schalliner. Uh, I mean, again, good run for Schalliner at that point and to see him up there. And Zach, too. Um, Zach's been trying to get his year going the right direction. Uh, caution with 54 to go. It was Keegan and Schoenberg. Uh, they got into it way in the back. And I think my biggest surprise is, whoa, how is Keegan back there? Yeah, and there was a lot of incidents as well. Uh, I would say more than half that were in the back. I mean, you know, we had these these points in the night where your race leaders are, you know, kind of breathing down each other's necks, and it's the guys in the back wrecking. And and Brian had a tough night, and and that happens. And it was it was on Keegan just didn't have speed. I mean, he started I think close to twentieth, and he finished outside of the top twenty. I mean, he just. Didn't have it tonight, which is it's rare for somebody, uh, you know, like him who the last couple of years and, and this year as well uh, with a win, two poles and all that that we expect to. If he's not running up front, up front, he's, you know, still a top five, top ten car. They just didn't have it this week. Yeah. And the leader's pit. This is a key point of the race. And Jarl Tien stays out by himself. I think you want to say 16 lap tires or something. And I'm thinking this guy is nuts. There's no way he's going to hold it. But guess what? He held it for quite a while, actually. Yeah, and, and at 50 to go, we kind of knew as well, even if Jarl doesn't stay out, you get a yellow with 50 to go at Richmond, same thing Bristol, you kind of have a hunch that, well, we're probably not going to run these 50 laps out to the end. We're probably going to have a lot of those restarts. And, you know, once upon a time, I think a couple of years ago in this series, drivers would stay out with like 60 lap old tires just to junk the field, like to just go slow on restarts. 
check everybody up and wreck them. That's not what Jarl was doing. I mean, he was hanging with them. Uh, you know, Jarl started 14th, so it's not like he was a super, super slow car. Obviously had a disadvantage, and he went, you know, four, five restarts or whatever the number was with maintaining the lead because they kept wrecking behind it. At one point, we were thinking, who knows? You know, maybe he ends up in victory lane. But I think at the end of the day, it was a great gamble for him. Yeah, it w I was surprised that he did it, and I was surprised that he was able to pull it off to an extent. Uh, big wreck on a restart with the 48 to go. Uh, Ray and Kerwin touch, and a big wreck. Uh, several cars involved. Uh, they actually did a nice uh, NASCAR put up a replay of that wreck on the on their social media. Uh, big old pileup. Looks like somebody on the bottom just got clipped and just came up and took both lines out. And that was tough because it was kind of right after we shuffled things up just a little bit uh, with those pit stops. So there was a lot of fast cars in the back of the pack there, or, or kind of the mid-pack area. I wouldn't say that it was, uh, you know, all the way at the end, but there was a lot of really good race cars that got torn up in that one. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Overland, who had had a good start to his night. Casey Kerwin was in that one, uh, the 77. Uh, you know, it's just some of the cars, uh, the notable cars that we had kind of talked about on that first half of the broadcast that get involved in. You don't really get mulligans in this series. You know, uh, you're an incident like that. And even if it's a short track, uh, it pretty much ruins your night, especially that late. Yep. And then another quick caution on the restart, uh, Jeremy Allen uh, in another incident. But this time he looks like he completely missed a shift and the accordion effect uh, end up bringing Garrett Lowe around, I think, down to the grass. But uh, then another quick caution for Alex McCollum and just uh, three and four wide in that situation and got tagged. Uh, then on the restart, J Mullis gets into Tian, who is actually on older tires and ends up spinning out again. No contact. Now down to green, 16 to go. Uh, Tian, Novak, Luza. Two laps later, Luza finally gets back by Tian for the lead and then caution 13 to go with Dylan Duvall and Phil Diaz. Uh, way in the back uh, to bring out the caution again. Yeah, that uh, the incident just before that one that you mentioned, the one with uh, Mullis was kind of a heartbreaker. And, and I said this on the broadcast, you know, uh, it's fun to see, you know, NASCAR Cup Series guys have teams, uh, NASCAR teams having teams and, you know, the eSports orgs. But I think it's so unique that Richmond Raceway actually has their own team. And, and talk, of course, talked with uh, the president of the Speedway, uh, Dennis Bickmeyer, on the, the pre-race show. And I chatted with him a little bit after as well on, you know, they've got a, a dev team now and, and they're expanding. And uh, they had their guys, Novak and Mullis, running 1-2 at one point, And, you know, it's your, your home race. Uh, obviously, everybody watching, wanting that to be a good result. And, uh yeah, just a, a tough, tough break for Jimmy. Didn't get me. Didn't mean to get into him. Group chat with the drivers. You know, I didn't mean to kind of get in every start after that. You know, finally, when Luza gets a couple of laps to kind of get up to Yarl, because Yarl was good on the restarts. That was the key. If he could get out those three, four car lengths ahead, whatever he was doing, he could hang on for one, two laps. Of course, lap three after the restart comes around, and uh, once Luza got to the bottom, I think Yarl knew he, he really didn't have a chance to hold him off. Yeah, and he had the newer tires too. So uh, Conti was hanging in there in the top five as well as uh, Lion, and those guys were running good. But uh, back to green seven to go, caution Alfala involved. He was tagged by Bob Bryant. He had nowhere to go at all. I saw his in-car replay after the race, and it was like he's just driving along, and all of a sudden the car is spun out underneath him. And that's kind of goes back to you know what I talked about earlier when you get some of these – 
side to side contacts and you know when, once the car kind of gets knocked uh, you, you don't really have much of a chance uh to hang on to it uh, especially it, you know the slow speed you can't really scrub anything off to try to slow it down you're you're basically just sideways at that point and you know ray is another interesting story so far this year because uh, he came into to the into the night in a playoff spot of course everybody knows uh, the struggles that he had last year not even making the top 20 having to go back down to the pro series a different car in the xfinity cars wins the pro series championship and i think at end of the night hey he's p8 you know is is ray alfala back he's now 15th you know he's closer now to being out of the series again than he is to being into the playoffs and I know we're only five weeks in, but again, he lost seven spots in one week. And and Chris Overland, who I talked about having a great night, led laps, lost eight spots in the points. He's down to 31st. I mean, one incident is all it takes to not only derail your race, but, you know, to derail a whole year. Yeah, and I think it all comes down to how competitive this series is. I mean, it's so deep, the talent, and uh, I, I really believe this is the most, uh, you know, competitive series out there, you know, real or on iRacing. Yeah, and we talk about this every year, you know, the the stock coming. And the thing I love is because of the relegation. You know, we don't have guys, uh, you know, driving in a car where maybe they don't deserve to. You know, uh, financials and, and none of that is, is, you know, has no say in how, you know, drivers, I guess, get into the lineup and, and who sits where. You got to be fast. Yeah, and, performance based. Yeah, and now though, and this is the thing that we've talked about a lot is you know the guys that are in the series now when they started sim racing. I really don't think this was the goal, even though this series been around since 2010. It's a hobby. You get good at it. Hey, maybe let's run for the DWC. But now there's so many people on the service, not just joining this year, but the last few years, who have watched this series grow, who maybe saw this series on TV last year, and and now this is a goal. So we think the Pro Series and Road to Pro is competitive now. Give it another year or two. It's not going to oh, yeah. get any easier from this point on. Oh, yeah. It sure will. So restart with two to go. It was Luza, Lion, Conti. Uh, Luza got a huge restart and then another yellow from uh, another wreck in the back. And then the second green-white checker attempt, Luza gets another great restart. The battle was for second between Conti and Lion. Uh, Luza wins, man, three in a row. Let's go ahead and hear your call to the checker. Is allowing Ryan Luza to pull away. He's won the last two. He's going to go for three in a row in 2020. Ryan Luza, second straight win at Richmond. And well, he's I, I'm the guy a, to I'm beat, a right? of numbers, I, and that's why I picked him. I think it's not only because of the history of Richmond, who we have now seen for the last eight years, four different drivers go back to back. Uh, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and now Luza, 19 and 20. But it was that. It was the fact that he was going for three in a row. He's the first driver to win three races in a row in this series since 2013. That's four years before he even, you know, started a race in this series. And now he has 15 wins, which is second all-time of the 51 different drivers that have won a race in this championship to Ray Alfala with 24. I know that's a long way to go, but uh, that's mighty, mighty impressive uh, for the rookie in 2017 who, you know, won the championship at his first time out. He's on fire. And it doesn't matter what car he's in either, too, apparently. Yeah, Kyle Busch uh, of the Coke series, I, I want to say. But no, he's he's on fire. Uh, I just stack him up is what I told him. You know, just keep getting those W's and uh, it'll all work out. Let's talk post-race a, a few uh, notes. 
Uh, we did hear from Bobby Zelensky about his overheating, that why he dropped from uh, P2 to P39. But I want to say he finished fourth. And, he, and I want to say he probably passed more cars than anybody. Yeah, and he also probably got passed by more cars than most people, too. He had uh, quite the night. We touched on it early. Uh, you know, the overheating issue and, and whatever it was to drop to the back. But, uh, you know, if, you know, we saw Ryan lose to go 37th uh, to the race win. So so Bobby getting back in traffic, uh, you know, isn't impossible. Uh, but you got to figure he had those issues a good portion into the race. So uh, the speed helped him. But I think a little bit of luck, because when you get back there into the gross stuff, that's where a lot of the yellows were happening. Uh, you know, I guess I guess they don't ask how you did it. It's how many, you know, in, in terms of wins. And I guess that'll apply to Bobby Zelensky. They don't ask where you were at halfway. They ask where you were at the end. And he gets the good points, maintains the points lead, but uh, lose with those three wins now, only 15 points behind him at the very top. Okay. And then the other thing that was noted after the race, uh, Justin Malillo from the racingexperts.com uh, notated that uh, Ryan Luzo had a black car and he won in a black car and there was no paint job on the on the broadcast and uh I, we were kind of asking around about why and it turns out he loaded into the wrong manufacturer uh, he loaded in a chevy instead of a ford therefore he had a black paint and it's it's so easy to do that as well on iRacing if if you do uh, you know it's funny because i i race the chevy normally and every time I go into a session and to select of the three Cup Series cars, it's never sitting on the Chevy like I chose last time. So I always – and listen, if I choose the wrong car, it doesn't matter. I'm racing hosted. Nobody cares about that. Of course, uh, Williams Esports missed out from a bit of TV time, but uh, I saw in uh, in a couple of the post-race articles that uh, people actually went back and uh, just screenshotted uh, – uh, that car kind of did it uh, post-race, a little bit of magic to make it look like uh, that that was the car on track. But uh, he didn't mean to load in as a Toyota, but he did. car was just as fast, though. Uh, that's why I said doesn't matter what he's in. He's fast. So let me ask you this. Is it on the to-do list of all the Coke drivers to to load up a paint, the trading paints, for every manufacturer just in case? Well, it's funny because we had this issue the first week of the Pro Invitational Series, when that was at Homestead, that one of the drivers participating said that this is, you know, this is the manufacturer I'm going to be running. And then they joined as a different one because uh, they don't have a full-time ride. And I forget who it was. And we're sitting 30 minutes to live on Fox, and this person doesn't have a paint. And, of course, you can't change your car. Um, so we had Cisco, while we're sitting there waiting to go live, throw that paint scheme in the Photoshop, slap it onto a different manufacturer, and go – um, and the thing is, you know, these paints have to be pre-approved. So when the teams and the drivers and, you know, whoever is in charge of that for the respective teams sends it into iRacing, they have to be approved, I think, up to two days before. And they, we don't actually run trading paints. It's all, uh, you know, on the local servers and on your computer for the people who are operating our cameras. Um, so I think uh, maybe the, the quicker solution is to put a, a sticky note or a checklist on the monitor and uh, put that as part of your, uh, you know, have your spot or your crew chief remind you when you load in. Make sure you're in the right car because it's it's super easy to mess up. I actually just did um, a set of three paints for the Pacific Majors this week for our All-Star event. And they were matching schemes, but the, the lines don't all line up the same. The cars have slightly different shapes. So that can be tricky trying to pull the paint from one to another. It was, it was tough. I don't know. Uh, you know, Cisco had to work some magic. And it's funny because, like, the Chevy last year, this was a big issue we had is obviously we made all these cars and then we updated to the, to the ZL1 1LE. And this was for Coke and for the Pro Invitational. 
where it was just a new nose, but it changed the front fenders and then the side skirts on the sides are like bumped down a bit. They don't actually connect to the side panel of the car. And yeah, that was uh, a lot of hours that had to go into, you look at the car, you know, very, very minimal difference, Chevy to Chevy, let alone, you know, Chevy to Ford and, and Ford to Toyota. Uh, but uh, hats off to the painters because I know they've been super busy this month. Yep. And then one other note uh, on different paints, uh, the one and the 42 in the Coke race, uh, Steve Sheehan and them uh, run in iRacing colors. Uh, it looks like there was a tweet from Beast Racing uh, indicated they were helping support these drivers who uh, were formerly driving uh, for the Kyle Larson Esports. Yeah, and so they had the uh, the iRacing branded Chevys on board, and uh, I, I'm not sure what the timeline will be, but we'll probably see uh, an official team support for them shortly. Yeah, and we'll get into the Kyle Larson stuff later. Let's look at the points uh, going into your next Coke race. Uh, what track we got next? So we're headed out uh, to an exciting one. Um, you know, obviously this uh, season sees some tracks get dropped year to year and it kind of fluctuates and we didn't have this on the calendar last year but we're going back to dover into the monster mile and you think okay bristol richmond and dover that's a rough and tough on trio right there before we get out to our longest one of the year uh early in may at charlotte um but honestly the last couple of races at dover have been pretty clean in 2018 and only had three yellows obviously a mile in length it's uh still a scary racetrack to go at on but you do have a bit more space um, and, and we're looking forward to it. I think uh, the numbers will show that Homestead rolled over to Bristol, rolled over to Richmond, uh, I think uh, are all, you know, consecutively the most viewed online streams of the Coca-Cola series in series history. I don't know the numbers um, from this Tuesday quite yet, but uh, hopefully uh, less yellows and uh, more excitement. Dover's a fun track. Yeah, and then points, Bobby Zielinski, the leader. Ryan loses second, 15 back. Then Keegan Leahy, Garrett Lowe, Nick Ottinger, uh, who's quietly uh, running top five in points. Good good job for him. Uh, one thing that notes out when I look at the points, uh, the one column, average finish. And as I look down the list, we're talking mid-teens, you know, 15th, 17th, 19th, 20th. And what does that tell us? Well, every uh, throughout these five races, everybody's having bad weeks. Yeah, nobody's having, you know, Perfect, and that's why I think somebody like a Zelensky, uh, you know, or or Garrett Lowe, or you know, kind of quite under the radar, Garrett, um, you know, have been doing so well, and I think that's the big thing. Um, you know, I noticed as well that Zach Novak jumps way up. Uh, you know, he's in uh, probably the best position that he's been in uh, all season. After he came into to last week, yeah, he's up to tenth in the points, so that was uh, a jump of eight for him. Uh, but Ashton Crowder, Brad Davies drop out of the top eight. Uh, of course, I mentioned Jimmy Mullis, who ran up front. And he drops down to 16th. And again, it's still early. So you have one bad week and it kicks you way down. But, uh, you know, there's some some cool names up in there with, you know, Nick Ottinger, Nichols, and, and Clampett, kind of the, the three uh, underdogs or surprise drivers, if you would. Um, and Garrett Lowe as well, who, tip of the hat, has had been an incredible driver this year for the Wood Brothers, stepping in for Ray. Yeah. So uh, good luck to those guys as they go into Dover. Uh, Evan Pasoko, thank you so much for coming on and telling us all about the, the Coke race. And uh, and we'll catch you on the next race. There's a lot of iRacing, so I'm sure we'll see you guys soon. All right. We'll see you on the track later, Evan. All right, Greg, let's talk uh, 
the next one, NASCAR. Let's talk pre-race. What happened uh, on the pre-race stuff? So uh, I guess we, this was like the Landon Castle hosted a 60-lap race at uh, Monza. Oh, yeah. This wasn't the official race. This was, you know, an Easter, hey, we're going to run a race anyway. Yeah. So before we get into this, because uh, this is a heavy topic with all the stuff that went around this, just note that what we're talking about here is obviously sensitive. It's a sensitive subject and we're just offering opinions we're not this isn't this is all our views on opinions we're not going to get real um really opinionated here but it's just we're not here to argue and do stuff about it we're just here to, to talk about the information on what had happened yeah and before we get into kyle larson uh, which i'm sure everybody has heard about let's talk about the race a little bit it was 60 cars at monza uh podium esports did the broadcast and the first thing I, I want to say is, man, they were blinking a lot. There was a lot of blinking going on. Now, is this, I was thinking back, because I came in a little bit late to this, and I saw a lot of the blinking. Do you remember when we had that problem at Daytona, when the cars would all bounce, or not Daytona, Talladega, when they would all would bounce, and then right. we were having that problem? I'm wondering if this had to do with that, again, where it was, every car was slamming the track, and it was having a data problem. It almost, to me, looked like the guy who was doing the streaming or whatever, he was having an internet problem. That's what I was thinking. It looked like, yeah, it was on the streamer's end. Is Were the what I was drivers thinking. complaining about it? Because uh, remember when we hosted a server and accidentally hosted it in the Netherlands? Uh, if, they were, if, if it was blinking as bad as the broadcast was, they wouldn't have been able to race. Yeah. They okay. were able to, re yeah, I don't think the drivers so were seeing that. We were okay. seeing it. Yeah, they didn't seem to notice it at all. We were, it was just on the stream. So, so maybe just that was on podium and those guys probably, but there's not a lot you can do when it's like that, you know? I mean, what are you going to do? Well, and it's crazy trying to come in to watch that when you haven't watched it right from the beginning because of how much was going on and how, and there was so much information try you're trying to get back after, you know, coming in late. Well, there's no damage and resets. Well, no, I mean, they don't need resets because there's no damage and there's no cautions. And so it was just a matter of who didn't wreck is really, or how, who didn't wreck the less because everyone was getting involved in something eventually. Uh, and it was carnage everywhere. It was crazy. It just like a, a normal Monza race on the oval, but it was so much fun to watch. But the biggest, coolest part for me was Alan Bestwick in the booth and Alex Hayden from MRN in the booth. And man, I mean, just to hear Alan Bestwick calling some NASCAR names out again is like, man, just reminiscent for me. Well, and it's, it's kind of like, uh, it's a different perspective. We're bringing in more of these guys that are, are actual race announcers or deal with race stuff. And they're bringing it into this world and they're, they're, you know, if anything, they're, they're teaching as well to doing this and, and how to give their opinions on all these uh, and what they're seeing out there. And, and I thought the way that they moved back and forth between uh, both of them, adding them into the broadcast, it was perfect for it. And they were kind of doing an MRN style call like David likes where, you know, Alex Hayden always was doing, you know, turn two in the back street and then whoever was doing three and four and so forth. But Alan Bestwick is my hero. I mean, I, I, he was the best as far as calling NASCAR races and IndyCar races, for that matter, as far as I'm concerned. So 
really happy to hear him on a broadcast. We, I'd love to hear that continue. The winner was, out of all the people from the different real motorsports uh, series, it was a regular iRacer who won the race, who somehow, uh, they were some kind of qualifying race where you could kind of get in on a couple slots. And so the guy who won is called uh, Justin Botelho, and he's a streamer, apparently, on Twitch. He did a really good job managing traffic there near the end, too, because they were there were some scary moments with a couple laps to go where he was coming up on groups that were fighting and then crashing, and he was able to avoid. I remember one where he was coming down, I think it was the backstretch, or the, and he just had to go to the inside and stuff. It was crazy. Okay. And um, as far as uh, after the race, let's let's kind of get into that. So if you were just watching the broadcast, you didn't really know what happened as far as what happened on the driver chat and on the streams and so forth. So after the race on the social media, word got in that, uh, you know, Kyle Larson had uh, uttered a racial slur over the driver's channel in Sim. So we've all talked on that channel where we can talk to other drivers and uh, we've all accidentally talked on that channel when we went to be in team speak or perhaps a spotter uh, channel or something else and that's basically what happened if you watch the video it appears Kyle is trying to talk to his spotter and he says the racial slur like in reference to talking to the spotter as kind of a joke and uh, he actually did it over the driver's chat and then Anthony Alfredo responded in the driver's chat, Hey, Kyle, everybody just heard that, by the way, you know, to let him know. And he was like, oh, no. He knew he was kind of done after he did that from the way it sounds, the aftermath of some of the things that came out later. Well, there's precedent. I mean, uh, Jeremy Clements was uh, suspended as well indefinitely for something similar that he spoke to a reporter that wasn't even broadcasted. And so for this to be out on the social medias, you know, in video form and everybody saw it, it was actually trending on Twitter Sunday night. Uh, you had mainstream media picking it up and it just went viral pretty much. And then the aftermath the next day is first things that were started was he was getting suspended by everything or, um, his the team, team sponsors, NASCAR sponsors, and then and then it took a turn for the worst in the afternoon when they stopped when one sponsors dropped, uh, which was his first credit was the first one I think that went. And then they credit, all did credit one and the, or credit one. Sorry, my bad. Um, and then they all just started going, and then um, that was after he had uh, posted on his apology, Twitter page yeah. an apology. Um, you could see in his face he was very emotional about it. He did, um, in my opinion, he did have regret in what he did. Obviously, it's not. This is not a word that should be uttered at any from anybody on this planet should be uttering that word at, at all. And he he showed remorse from what I can tell from it. And and then after that, it just seemed like every, his whole world started changing with dropping the sponsors and they dropped uh then the then uh nascar suspended him definitely um and then the team the next day fired, fired him. him i racing as well is oh yeah, suspended yeah, him indefinitely 
Yeah. So what do you, let's talk about that specifically. I mean, iRacing put out on social media a message that said they suspended him indefinitely. So first of all, aren't suspensions supposed to be private and not like publicized? Or is this a special circumstance because of the nature of the deal? Well, my question is, okay, yes, he has done this, this act, this happened. And they're saying indefinitely. When he repairs, like, is is he going to get a forgiveness from iRacing eventually to come back? Like any other one of us, if we said something like that, you get a month off or two months off. It's not a permanent ban. It's just indefinite, yeah. No, I think if Nat, I, I believe that iRacing would reinstate him if NASCAR reinstates him. So think, basically, think, sorry, Chris, go ahead. I was going to say, I think uh, the World Outlaws is the only one so far saying he can come back. And they said that they would have him back if he underwent sensitivity trading. <laughs> but I think, um, I think this, you know, the way it came across, it came out as, out as um, it wasn't a hateful comment. It came, it was more of an ignorant comment. And I think he is definitely going to learn his lesson through this. I think he'll have a career back. It's just going to take years and years. And yeah, it sucks that he came in iRace. But like you said, I think he'll be able to, after a bit, he'll be able to, you know, ask for forgiveness. Well, and I think it serves a lesson to, you know, even I think in our chat, we've been talking about it all week. But just in general, you don't, obviously you don't use words like that and stuff. But you also don't know who's listening. There's so many things being recorded and 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 with the different radio channels and things can can happen where you accidentally press the wrong button and and these guys are professionals and that's they're they're not i'm gonna say they're not you and i i mean um they're held into a a higher standard so we were having the argument last week that why bubba could bubba wallace could should you know can lose a sponsor because of something like this because they, I think Bubba realized that you know th- they represent that sponsor or anything 24 7. It once they sign on, that's what they get, that that's part of their job, and that's why everything started snowballing when they the, the sponsors and, and NASCAR and they're all hands were t- their hands were tied, they had to do everything that, that was that happened was to them, was what had to happen to, to save their brands. And, and and do it all. So let's talk about that just briefly because I want to go down that road because the NASCAR fans, their reaction to all this this week is very negative, very negative. And a lot of them are supportive of Kyle and, and whatnot. But I just have a problem that our society, that you can lose your job over one word. It shouldn't be like that. But I don't know how we've gotten to this point, but... I mean, I wish it wasn't that way. Well, and I'm not, like I said, I, I, I want to see him recover and be able to, uh, to, to drive again. I don't believe a word in a, a something that you do should define your life. He's, he's a great race car driver. He made a mistake. We all make mistakes. You know, we're all taught to, you know, we teach our kids that, you know, you can, you can have forgiveness. Not all things can be forgiven all, very easily, but he made a mistake. He's paying for it. And I think in a couple of weeks, months, maybe it'll not saying it'll blow over or people forget about this, but something else will, will be there and, and he will be on the road to recovery and maybe someone gives him a shot again. 
but it's it's such a difficult situation because it's just a word that we all know that word sets people's sets goes back generations that sets uh sets a it's a negative such a negative word and uh, it's hard it's hard to say it but um it's a word that carries don't say it about, no about, i'm not saying say it's, it's a word I'm that saying, carries 500 years of, of history yes and and there's been talks i've and i and i i don't know if we did we didn't have covered in this but bubba wallace put it today uh which read very well and, and and it was it articulated his feelings of towards it because like he said he feels like he's a spokesperson because of his ethnicity for it or his ethnicity so he 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 seems like he he understands that um the that accidents happen but he just doesn't know why that this was in anybody's vernacular and it shouldn't be in anyone's vernacular right yeah i well, yeah he is it was a I, mistake as um as a teacher i've i've had to get on to kids for for the same thing and and i can tell you what what's happening this i i don't feel like this was was a was coming from a racist perspective for for kyle um this pop culture you know a lot of people brought this up and it doesn't excuse it i want to jump out in front and say i'm not saying this is an excuse this is just a, a, a what's happening a lot of of white kids that especially that are growing up in tough situations these days their music is they listen to african inf american influence music that's that's what they like to listen to and it's laced with that word and everybody says well it's okay for for africans to say that to africans but those so those kids that love that music they're wanting to, they they don't want to be a part of that tribe in a way and they end up trying to use it to try to be cool and that's this is what this that's how this kind of came off of me doesn't say it doesn't mean it's right and it but that I, I know that that's kind of what it spawned from is just it's it's coming from the the african-american r&b not r&b i'll get the the rap culture <laughs> likes to use this word well r&b doesn't really go there as much as rap but it they, they use the word a lot um and there's some good arguments made on why it's kind of like the you're calling i can call my brother whatever name i want but you know if somebody else comes after him we're going to have a problem so that's that's a pretty good justification but especially some of the younger white kids who don't know the history as well and you know didn't um they they want to use the word just to be cool they're not actually trying to be racist but it the word does just carry too much uh, historical pain that it, it really needs to be just stamped out. I think the other troubling fact here, he used the word, but seeing people talk about it on Twitter and all the social media aspects that he's racist. Well, you have no idea who, what he is. You don't know. You don't know him. He said a word. We all use words that we don't mean and, and it doesn't define us. And just because he used this one word doesn't mean he's a, a closet racist or, um, anything like that he just screwed up and oh. there's a reason that it, it's maybe been in his vernacular maybe he's used it other times but he's probably heard it hundreds of times on the music he listens to maybe yeah it's yeah. just he screwed up and, and he's obviously paid a more price than any of us could ever think of paying right now for it uh for using it and it's cost him his career right now and 
you know, he's got a family and things too, and it it sucks in both aspects. It should have never happened at all. So I want to back up to something you said about these guys know they're being recorded and streamed and whatnot. So even though Kyle thought he might have been talking on a private spotter channel, the the video has his face in it, and you can see his lips moving. And surely he knows there's a video camera pointing at my face that's literally streaming onto my Twitch right now. Well, it's a word that's in his vernacular, so it came out. Right, so it slipped. It. Right, he it just, just it, it's out. one of those things. It kind of slipped. and Which means yeah. he's using it regularly. It's no different than a swear word, right? You know, we try, we try, try in front of our kids, knowing our kids around not to swear, right? But we still do it sometimes, right? Right. I generally, on the podium, don't cuss, but they've heard it a couple of times because, yeah, you know, we know I've gotten in trouble in iRacing. <laughs> okay, so let's keep moving. So mainstream media picked this up. It was on NBC News. It was on Business Insider. I saw it all over the place. Um, so it's the only sports story going on. There's no other sports going on. So it got picked up by everybody. Um, let's move on from Larson. I, I found a, a podcast I like called Fast Talk. And uh, none other than Hermie Sadler was on this week. And uh, I really like him. And he's an old school NASCAR racer. And he had a great quote about what's going on with iRacing. And I want to read it. It says, prior to the crisis, I didn't know nothing about iRacing. We started to see it on TV, and it's all over the internet and all over everywhere. And my brother has got one of those, what do you call it, rigs at his house. And he started doing some of that. So it won't be long. I'll probably be uh, testing, trying to test his machine and see what's up. Uh, that I've really enjoyed it, and I've been pleasantly surprised by the entertainment value of it as a way we can still get together virtually and watch racing and talk about racing. And one positive that's coming out of this is I see a lot of younger people in the younger generation not only competing, but talking about racing and iRacing. So maybe on the other side of this coronavirus stuff, when we are able to go back to the racetrack, the younger generation will trying to reach, maybe we can get them to the racetrack. And that will be an important piece to grow our fan base. Wasn't Elliot just on a, on a show recently as well? Yeah, he was on. Um, he was on uh, door bumper clear. Door bumper clear, and they were. He was with uh, uh, William Byron because William Byron's getting was getting his, uh, getting him into it to uh, get his. Uh, I think he tested on William Byron's rig to see how it was, and then, and then uh, Elliot got it, and then now Elliot's son has been driving it at, like every day. He's been saying on his page. Yeah, now Herbie wants to try it, so. Pretty cool to hear uh, an old-timer from NASCAR talk positive about iRacing, especially after the Kyle Larson event that kind of put everything in the negative light. Now, talking about this, just the thought in my head when you, you, you read things like this, trying to get the younger generation to the track and doing things like that, do they highlight, uh, like obviously, some? I, I'm hoping someday down the road that they use the eNASCAR series to go along with the NASCAR series on a weekend somehow. So like the truck series is always a Friday night, the Saturdays Xfinity and the cup Sunday. Do they run a Thursday night to kind of start off the week or something like that? Like just to, to do it. Maybe that's where you start involving the generations or do we start seeing more of these simulation setups 
um, at these tracks to get people doing things with iRacing. Well, the Coke Series already makes a good midweek event, being it's on on the Tuesday, uh, whereas the stuff on the weekend needs to be in the weekend for the for the in-person fans. So there's been a lot of clamoring for the last year or two on Sirius XM and a lot of other NASCAR talk channels about moving some races to the middle of the week to try to get that primetime viewership. Well, iRacing can go ahead and hit that market without having to, to have a bunch of fans who travel 400 miles to watch a race drive in the middle of the week. Well, remember though, when we come back to racing, though they're going to be having the, they're being forced to do midweek midweek real races, just to get the entire thirty six race uh, schedule in. So I don't know if there's going to be TV time or time to do any i racing because they're going to be doing NASCAR races every three days. Well, there won't be, definitely won't be time for the re, for the real life drivers. Well, right. and the other thing is, we were supposed to see those possibility of Wednesday night things next year when they. We're supposed to, to to have a whole new schedule idea, but obviously that's going to be pushed back another full year because of what's gone on this year and the lack of losing that car, the next generation car for next year as well. Um, so we're going to actually get the Wednesday night stuff if they go back racing this year because of circumstance uh, and being forced to, not them trying to make a scheduled event to make it look like a Wednesday night one. One more quick note about the Coke tie into the NASCAR. I'd love to see where they say, you know what? We're going to take the champion of the Coke series and get him in a truck ride. It's an automatic, you're in NASCAR if you win the Coke series. Wouldn't that be something? And that could really be a feeder series, so to speak. The problem is, as well as we all do here, it's driven by money. And if that person doesn't have a way of bringing a sponsor on it, they're not going to put him in the car. Truck sponsored by iRacing and NASCAR. I mean, between Coke and NASCAR and everybody involved, you, they, you know, I could see that as the next level to take it. It is yeah. driven by money, but there's there's a slight, there's still a slightly separate skill set about sitting in a real car versus the sim. There'd be a lot of training G forces and actually feeling the way the car. Like I, there's there's two different sides of this. I, I could see some of the skills translating, but just getting someone at putting them in a car it's kind of like transferring from any other series like a nascar driver going to an f1 car or something like that certain things just don't translate they put what's her faces in trucks right <laughs> i've said I, any i racer could do better than what, what was her name what's her face that oh, la- yeah. yeah that last that last girl the the one that Decker. was obviously probably a no. yoga pants but couldn't drive the one that are you talking about the rich Family oh, the one with the w- husband who's bad. Yeah, the all one the time? with the boyfriend with the big mouth. Yeah, I mean, she is just bad. She was like half a second off. Like, like any i racer with a three thousand i rating could be could have done that. Be careful, right. or her husband will come after you. Yeah, watch out. <laughs> all right, let's keep moving. Uh, we got a message from Ryan Vargas, who's an Xfinity driver. He's putting together another uh, event, the E Trucks Rumble at Richmond, which is uh, tonight. Actually, I think. Yeah, it's going on as we speak right now. Yeah, it's going on right now. So, uh, man, they just never end. And then uh, we got uh, odds. Check this out uh, for the uh, cup race at Richmond. But uh, some of the odds I saw, I don't see it on the screenshot, but I saw it before. Like, you could bet on who is going to rage quit first. Somebody (laughs) probably will. It is going to be rough this week. They thought Bristol was rough. Richmond is going to be a nightmare if these guys don't practice. 
It, yeah, it wasn't fun last night. I think they removed it. They must have removed it. But there was also a bet of who was going to uh, utter a racial slur first. I mean, all this crazy stuff. That's in bad taste. Yeah, and maybe that's why it got removed. But this is a sports betting website. Uh, it was crazy to see that. Then uh, we got updates uh, from, well, I guess it's, I don't know if it's NASCAR or iRacing or Fox or everybody involved, but they are limiting this Sunday's Richmond race to 26 entries. And some butthurt ensued, uh, including uh, Michael McDowell, who actually procured a sponsor for this iRace, and he was not invited. Uh, So what do you guys think about them changing this I mean, it, they keep changing the rules of this series, like who's invited and who's not and who's eligible and who's not. It's getting tiring to me. I'd rather have a few short races that went to like a 20, you know, a 25 lap, 26 driver race or something like that to give these guys a chance to race their way in and just to just do super short races and get the whole thing in within an hour or so. I just don't know why they would even exclude anything. Like, to be honest, Who's to say? Do we know what the uh, what the Michael McDowell sponsorship is? Who's to say that that sponsor doesn't all of a sudden latch onto something here in iRacing and want to throw money at iRacing? Why would you turn it away? Does McDowell have a regular cup ride? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that so it don't make any sense at all. I uh, think all cup drivers should be eligible. If you're a cup driver, one of the forty cup drivers, you should be in the race. Like. I don't know if what I don't know if we have an entry list or something, but McDowell did make a point that said the 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 five least experienced drivers are still in that race. Like I thought maybe they were cutting some of the stuff out. Like I had this conversation with you, Mike. I thought they were cutting out um, some of the things that have gone on in the last couple of weeks, and maybe they're centering out some guys that have been causing some stuff. Well, guess who one of the guys who got cut? Dale Jr. And we figured that that might be because of him not being an actual cup driver, but he'd be the one that draws the most people in general. Well, it could be that he's an NBC guy and this is a Fox race. Somebody was speculating about that um, since he works for NBC, but it's hard to say. Now, since this, Bob Pockrass put out a tweet about an hour ago. I don't have the link that said... Uh, They've had so much feedback about the reduced field that they're, they're having some kind of qualifying heat race uh, where they're going to have a few guys uh, be able to uh, try to race their way in. Was, uh, was Parker Kligerman out of it too? No, he was on the list. So that NBC thing wouldn't make any sense then. He's a, oh. And he does not have a cup ride this year. But he okay. also is an NBC broadcaster. So here's what Bob said. He said, qualifying races Sunday for virtual Richmond is a last chance qualifier. Two drivers advanced and two more provisionals are going to be chosen by Fox. Lineup for the main event will be set by two laps of qualifying before the main event. Telecast is 1 p.m. Eastern Sunday on Fox and Fox Sports 1. My, my guess is is if Dale Jr. doesn't win two of those spots, he's the third one if he's racing. That's what I, I would wonder- gather from it. I, I just don't see how they would actually say, hey, Dale, don't come. I'm wondering if it's his decision. Well, he was kind of, uh, the way he explained some stuff on his podcast this week, he kind of seemed, I mean, he was disappointed, obviously, he, that he even had to talk about it on his podcast. You could hear, you could hear it with it. But I, I don't know. He, he didn't want iRacing to take any of the penalties. He didn't want NASCAR to take any of the penalties from what Kyle did. It, 
he just he just saw that uh i don't know if he was thinking that maybe he just doesn't need to be part of it right now well that was what i was concerned about sunday night after all this happened i was thinking and it's over all these uh, drivers their teams they're going to pack up and head south because they're not going to take the risk of uh you know losing their careers by accidentally uttering something over a radio on a video game and that was kind of the scare i think a lot of people had and and then when they had announced the reduced race of only 26 entries for the cup race and you're like oh god here we go well and the way the indycar has been going kind of smoothly with what they're doing it kind of looks the the nascar seems like it's it's having a, a couple issues and then the indycar is just in the background doing its own thing yeah and uh I think Jenna Fryer on Twitter, who writes for the Associated Press, she does motorsports for AP. She uh, put on Twitter, uh, looks like you and several others have been uninvited to what started out as a fun race, but is quickly being way too much drama. Thumbs down iRacing is what she said. Thumbs down. And so the whole thing of them limiting the field came across very negative. I mean, the fan base did not like it. Now, Mike? Okay, I we don't know who made these decisions with all this yeah, stuff. Probably not iRacing, yeah. But it's probably Jenna, Fox. Jenna Fry making that thumbs down iRacing comment. You're coming into our world of racing. Like the, this is something that we were doing. Your professional drivers are supposed to be professional drivers are coming in, bringing media in, and have changed the way that things are going on. But the stuff that's going on is caused by professional drivers do we not see the i racing is the <laughs> platform but there's professional drivers that are screwing up and they're going and this is where yeah. you got to be afraid i racing's taking a beating for it for no reason and that's why maybe i racing's trying to save themselves with some of this is it their decision is it nascar's it's so hard to figure it out but you got to remember this is we're not going to play on the nascar tracks they're coming into iRacing stuff. Yeah, but here's the thing. If you go on, I did this. So if you go on NASCAR's uh, Facebook page and you pull up any posts of this week, any post, anything, and you look at the comments, the fans are negative about iRacing. I'm not watching another iRacing. I support Kyle. I can't believe this. You know, And there's so much negativity towards iRacing, iRacing right now because well, of what happened. Be careful Who did nothing. <laughs> Never gauge opinion on a comment section squeaky wheel that's true wheel uh, squeaky board warriors it's ugly in those comments dude it's real yeah, ugly those are the guys who are going to be commenting all the people are like yeah that are i mean other than us most of the people are like most of the pros are not going to be as fired up to go comment so well and we point and i pointed out a tweet that i had recognized this week and i'm not going to talk about it but there was a professional sports player that posted in on his own personal page uh, that he'd like to get in a in a box or in a UFC r ring and kick Kyle Larson's butt. How is that any better than what Larson did? He's not any Mom. better. Yeah, that was inappropriate. So you can be a keyboard warrior or a, a phone warrior all you want, but this doesn't. It, Jenna Fry making those comments. It's easier for her to say that too. She's coming in and she's got at least some content. She could be sitting at home having nothing to talk about. Right, at least she has a story to write. All right, let's keep moving. IndyCar, a great write-up from Motorsports, uh, NBC Sports, about Felix 
Rosenquist. And uh, it was a good little article, uh, Greg. I thought it was nice to, to hear about what Felix thinks about iRacing, his competition with uh, Sage and Willpower, uh, and who's got the upper hand. Well, and I, I, I took out a little part here where he he's kind of feeling – or he feels like uh, – when you're sitting around you're becoming dumb for a while and not doing anything and for him his biggest challenge is is mentally and how he wants to stay sane um so he's kind of using this as a platform to do it and he's done a heck of a job already in the in the couple races that we've gone through for the indycar series here i i I honestly didn't know his name until um he started he was competing and he showed tremendous speed for the first couple weeks here Okay, and let's talk about the race. And Simon Paginot, uh, the Frenchman, uh, gets it done. And this guy is amazing. I, I love this guy. Well, and before we let's back it up just a little bit here. We're, we're not going to go too in depth here because this wasn't a very complex race. This was this wasn't last week's race at the road course. This was an oval with fuel mileage. It had a wreck first lap that took out a couple car or a bunch of cars. And after that, it became a fuel strategy race because of the cars that pitted on that first lap or the first caution. Um, and then there was nothing else after that. And it came down to Earnhardt, uh, Simon Pagano, um, Scott McLaughlin. They were all saving fuel. And, and the guys that were out front for most of that race, Sage Care and Will Power, um, they had a difficult time trying to get back up. And, it uh, it didn't turn out the the way that uh, that those guys wanted. Dale just, to be honest, watching Dale's highlights of that race, it was looks like he was out for a Sunday drive for when he was out doing it. Like he he kind of just nonchalantly saved fuel and was able to do it. But when um, but Simon Pagano, like he didn't expect to win. He just was having fun. And I think what you're talking about, how he, what you like about him, Mike, here is on his Twitter page. Um, him. Uh, him winning here on his stream, and then his wife walks in with uh, a bottle of champagne. Right, and he decided he was going to spray it, but I guess he decided not to and ruined his furniture and eye racing equipment. I was going to say that it's okay to spray around a race car; it's not okay to spray around electronics. But look at—I mean, he's got his fire suit on. He's got a head sock on. I mean, he wears gloves. Uh, he's a beast. Yeah, he uh, it, it definitely is. Uh, he's a character, and uh, it was a good race. I mean, that's a good track to race at, um, and uh, kudos to uh, putting on a good event there. Um, I don't know if you guys, before you know, going and listening to Dale's uh, highlights here that he put on his on the Dirty Mo page here. Uh, what's his um, uh, Stephen Stefan, his spotter? Um, slash strategist, I guess, for that race. Um, they have a highlight pack talking about it. And the thing that got me the thing in it, or the most in it, is near the end there when the the leaders that had led most of the race had or knew they were going to lose to fuel mileage, they started complaining and asking iRacing, and it was specifically Greg West, who was the iRacing control um, for that race, to throw a caution. They were complaining because they were going to lose to fuel mileage, and they thought it was unfair that the guys at the beginning got a uh, uh, got to pit on lap one. Well, everybody could have pitted. Yeah, they just were able to save fuel. It just it happened the way that the amount of laps they had for that race is how it worked out. 
Sounds and, just like real races. Well, yeah. and and it sounds like from what you can hear here is the guy that was, you know, Will Power, who was very adamant on the radio that they should throw a caution. He's very, he's had some really bad weeks on the chat in iRacing, it sounds like. Yeah, he had ba chat banned for one race. And... They obviously gave him back. Maybe Greg West will be regretting that because uh, him and, uh, I can't remember, I think it was Newgard or someone that um, chimed in and wanted a caution. And they said, we're not throwing a caution unless there's a big wreck. And then he goes, okay, somebody caused a big wreck. Like, it was, it was out of hand. I kind of wish this wasn't a fuel mileage race because I think the racing would have been a little bit better. Um, when they raced at Texas in that one event I saw, man, that was good. I can't tell you how good that was. But these IndyCar guys, they're getting it done, and, and they're taking it serious, and nobody's screwing around. And they're making NASCAR look like a joke because these guys got it together. Well, the other thing is is Michigan's not the great if, – if you listen to how some of the guys explain that race, that setup being a fixed setup for that race, the one problem with the fixed setups in the IndyCar – and you, is you can't do the weight jacker. So when you're up behind somebody, you can't adjust it to try and loosen it up while you're just chasing that car. That's the, the one downside to the Indy car, not having the weight jacker to, to, to move that stuff around to help you out. Um, whereas in an open set, you could make it tighter or tighter and looser to help you in the traffic there. So you're kind of stuck. So Michigan, I think, was too fast. The reason Texas was so good is because they would have to get off the throttle and there was more banking to hold the cars. I think that's why it's such a better race for you get at those uh, mile and a half than, than the big Michigan track because they were just wearing the right front out because they were so tight in traffic. Yeah. The next race is Saturday twin ring. Motegi was the one that got picked. And uh, next up was that uh, IndyCar race at Texas, which was uh, streamed on April 13th. Uh, Joseph Newgarden uh, had it on his YouTube, and they also did a, a broadcast at speed51.com, and that's where I was watching it, and boy, I was entertained. And uh, I guess uh, Oliver uh, Askew took, the, uh, took home the win there? Yeah, he was looking good. He's uh, coming up from Indy Lights, and so he's new in the IndyCar series this year which they haven't even really started the season, but uh, he was aggressive, man. He was getting it done. Yeah, they haven't even debuted the car yet. They haven't even started the season, so it's kind of like, you know, they haven't even got going as a sport. He actually got on the outside of Will Power for the lead and and just had just enough momentum on the outside, which is really tough, to get just in front of him and then come down across Will's nose. He was clear, but not by a hair. Um, and I, you could tell just by the way Will was driving that Will didn't like it. <laughs> which one did you guys get to hear any of the driver chat from these races? Because which one of these was the one that Dale Jr. was talking about in his podcast where their driver was chat was crazy? That was, was a Michigan was race. <laughs> that was a Michigan race. He actually yeah, was there, there's something up with those the way that they talk in those. You know, I think it's you know it's, they're <laughs> so competitive. <laughs> The Indy cars are international too. You got to remember that it's international crowd and the international drivers too, right? That's yeah, that's what I mean. But was it Will Power? They they said it was going nuts and was like calling out iRacing wanting cautions for his yep. fuel strategy. <laughs> yeah. Um, now this last post here that we have for the Indy car series is probably the guy that I always thought at some point would translate into this as maybe doing the double duty on the, the Indy car or the 
Indianapolis 500 and the Coke 600 weekend, but it looks like Rowdy Kyle Busch is going to be running this weekend at Twin Rig. Awesome. I love the paint job. It's Rowdy energy drink, right? He's really pumping that drink with all the stuff that he's doing. Man, those cars look so good with the little thing over the you know helmet. What do they call it? Windscreen. Windscreen, yeah. I love it. It just makes it look really racy. It was it was the best design, and I'm glad that as a safety precaution, that's where they went. I'm glad they didn't go the F1 way. Okay, let's switch gears. Chris, I rock. Yeah. So uh, Wednesday, well, actually, I um, uh, race Wednesday night, but then Thursday, I always sit down to watch the Wednesday nights racing, and I sat down to ex- expected to see some more of the World of Outlaws stuff that they had shown in the last couple of weeks. But because I had really hadn't paid much attention to the media, I just hadn't been caught up on stuff. And but instead, I sat down to this these IROC races, which was freaking awesome. Like it gave me goosebumps. It was so awesome to see they used all those old IROC paints and had drivers from all different disciplines running a couple of races. Um, the first being the UMP modifieds at Volusia, and a second in the GTE cars at Lime Rock. And man, what a cool idea. This, this, when you guys talk about stuff they can do during the week, I know we're going to be racing a lot on Wednesdays, but this is something I'd like to see them doing every single Wednesday forever. <laughs> Star studded lineup, too. Yeah. It's basically kind of like Pacific Majors, except with the big boys. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what IROC was back then. They, they had guys from, you know, it was usually a little stock car heavy, but they had guys from everywhere. And then this. You could really get guys from everywhere because they wouldn't have to come in to your country to race. You just hop on the sim and you're racing any car, any track. I mean, the the possibilities are endless. Especially the other cool thing they did was most of the guys that were in the first race were in the second race. So you went from a one car track combo to a completely different one, and that was that was really cool. Yeah, it wasn't traditional stock car IROC. It was dirt modified at Volusia. And then yeah. GTE cars at Lime Rock. Yeah, and both of them were great races. Um, Chase Briscoe dominated that the first race, the UMP Modifies at Volusia. Um, Will Power was fast. He, he um, was actually coming after Briscoe. I mean, he, I can't remember, maybe he started his run from maybe fourth or fifth and had ran down Briscoe. Um, his big lead and then a caution came out so i don't know if briscoe was saving a bit or if power was just that good once you know on old hot tires but man he it was pretty impressive he wouldn't have been one of the ones i really expected to be up there um they put regan smith in the warriors uh seat this week um it wasn't it wasn't impressive he hit everything but the pace car i think and that's only because it, the iRacing pace car is drive through but he um wrecked scott speed in that race who was one of my picks my hero one pablo montoya was in the race and uh that blew me away oh yeah he was actually pretty impressive too i mean he um and he drove that race a lot like he did in nascar i mean he was really leaning on guys but he you know wasn't wrecking them just uh you know, really aggressive but he was a lot of fun to watch good old jet dryer yeah yeah there was no, no jet dryers in i racing which is awesome yeah kurt bush ron caps i mean it was a star-studded field for sure yeah and it's so much fun to watch those guys i said really that and most of them did a, a really good job I, I can't other than regan i can't remember one that stood out that was you know really bloomquisting up the show 
Um, but then the second race, the GTEs at Lime Rock, uh, Scott Speed won that race, but that was only, he got Regan Smith right off the start. I can't remember. I think Regan Smith just ran him over like, when the, the field didn't get going. I think maybe Smith spilled the tires. I don't know. I remember him. he caused it, and I think Briscoe was all the way in the back of the field when he made his run, but he ended up driving through all of them. It was a 15-minute timed race, which was interesting to see on there. That was cool and different. But, uh, yeah, he, he, uh, he earned it on that one. Okay. Let's keep moving. Uh, what's next? Uh, David, the IMSA iRacing Pro Series was just uh, earlier. Uh, Evan was just finishing that before he came on. Yeah, we just missed it. Um, I may try to check in on it tomorrow, Give it, watch the replay. Uh, they're still running, I think, the GTEs only, and they were at Laguna Seca. Um, I'm sure it was an exciting race. I like to drive the GTEs, so I'll give it a follow. And then Greg, Rallycross, All-Star Invitational. Yeah, so they had the first round uh, at Hell, uh, Lincoln Ben, or Lake Benin, or whatever is it? Um, and surprise, surprise, Mitchell DeZong was perfect through the whole, all the heats and everything. Um, and, that, you know, he's unbeatable on that dirt. Um, so Mitchell DeJong. Mitchell DeJong. And then Scott Speed finished second. And then is that Connor Martle finished third? Yeah, I was wondering about Sammy Matty Trogan, the, the teenager who was so fast last year. I didn't see him in the results, but I was wondering how he ran. I don't think he made it out of his heat. Ooh. If I remember correctly, but I could be wrong there. Okay, Chris, take us back to something normal. The uh, monthly highlight, re highlight reel. Yeah, just uh, another... Um, um, well put together highlight reel from iRacing. This is uh, March's. And I kind of wish it'd be cool if they would break these into a couple highlights at a time and sneak those in as commercials or in some of the racing that we've been seeing during the week because there's a lot of good ones in here. A lot of them that make you just want to go race that car. <laughs> you watch this thing, it's like, oh, yeah, this is modified. So I need to go race this. Oh, man, that, that stuff looks fun. I need to go race that rally cross again. That modified pileup is pretty massive. <laughs> Where he goes through the middle. I love that. Yeah, there were some really good ones in here, guys. Don't don't forget to check it out. That modified one, though, that is that is no breaking and just gone. Yeah, Arca all the way. <laughs> yeah, those dirt street stocks looks fun too. Yeah, like I said, all of it just makes me go race them all. Okay, and then Norris tells us why I racing is better than F one twenty nineteen. So, uh, Lando Norris was uh, on a I guess talking to uh, racefan.net, uh, explaining how most of uh, F1 drivers or drivers prefer iRacing over F1 real-world drivers. Um, and he said that F1 2019 is too much like an arcade game, which is why real drivers prefer uh, uh, rival titles such as iRacing, according, according to him. Uh, you don't drive them anything like you do a real car, uh, Norris explained. Uh, iRacing is more like a simulation program, so you have to better feel through the wheel. It feels more realistic. Basically, it's more like a, simula a simulator in terms of how it feels through the wheel and the setup changes and stuff. The game uh, handling is why Max, I guess he's talking about his buddy Max Verception, uh, Verseppen, uh, doesn't play. Uh, because it's, yeah, sorry, I couldn't speak there. Because it's nothing like the actual car. 
whereas iRacing is a little bit like the actual car. Just a and little bit. <laughs> it's good to, uh, you know, it's good to have verification. Obviously, um, his his sponsors and everything like that uh, for F1 and stuff would probably be telling him to use the F1 2019 because obviously that's sanctioned in the F1 and they have been doing racing on it as well. But it's good to him to hear him talk about uh, iRacing. It's also good. It's also good to hear that Max is. Uh, yeah, I don't want any part of that. Well, he he's been on a whole bunch of different series, and we'll have we'll be talking about one of them in a little bit here. I saw him last week at the Glen, I believe, uh, in a in a Le Mans race. Yeah, he's getting around. Uh, somebody else who's getting around is Chase Briscoe. Uh, he won the NBC Sports Esports Short Track Challenge Championship. Uh, holding off William Byron at the virtual Martinsville Speedway. And, uh, man, he did really well in that IRAC, IROC event, and then he won this one as well. And then, Chris, we got uh, IndyCar taking flight. Yeah, Hold my uh, beer. <laughs> yeah, right. I have forum post by Christian Steele. He has a screenshot of him clearing the pylon at Indy and IndyCar, probably by a good couple car lengths. I wish I would have had the whole video to see how he did it, but reading the responses it looks like it must be a known bug but somebody said uh, now you gotta stick the landing that would have been more impressive yeah i wonder if he's going up or going down looks like a a foul car to me the question is if he actually had a beer in the cockpit how long would it you know would the g-forces keep the beer from spilling it would start spilling as soon as it comes down i don't think i don't think it would until it actually hit because all of it's being pulled at gravity by the same speed okay next up i racing endurance series um, hopefully you don't hit the ground too quick on this and c- kind of approach a more endurance attitude. Cause you got to go 12 hours. They're doing an over the year, 2020 iRacing endurance series. And it's coming up starting actually Saturday. It's going to be running the GTE cars, GT3, GT4 and TCR. The first event is in April and the points will carry over all season, all year, kind of like NIS and and the Indianapolis or the Indy car racing series does as well. They're running four tracks, Suzuka, Silverstone, Barcelona, and Coda. Get it guys. I don't think I'm running this, but we, um, we might, but I know me and uh, Richie from over to elite West are running on Saturday. We're doing uh, road America in the, in endurance side LMS. So I don't know if that'll, if it'll get in the way of each other. All right, let's keep moving a uh, quick hit here. Uh, iRacing's Instagram page hit a hundred thousand followers. Um, I thought that was interesting. Uh, that's quite a big number. That's then, uh, it's good to see that milestone. I'm wondering, you know, obviously social media here kind of helped that go. When did you find this that it went? Uh, this was it just after the weekend? It was uh, four days ago. Okay, so it's kind of they probably got a boost over the weekend of people with the events that were going on, right? Good or bad, right? Good or bad, publicity is still publicity. And Greg, we got our uh, iRacing uh, previous, excuse me, our iRacers Lounge previous guest, Dave Cam, doing a video for iRacing. Yeah, he was on his YouTube channel. Um, Dave Dave did a wonderful job explaining of, you know, the, the easiest way to get out of the the rookie class license in the old, in the road. And a lot of people don't realize that you could finish dead last in all of those races and still come out and with it and get rid of your rookie license. Like a lot of people just try and win thinking that's going to do it, but 
It's the incidents that get you out of it. So he showed a a quick race that he did, a 15-lap race, and uh, how he just took it easy. He started from the pits, rolled off quite lightly. He, he, he basically just... It looked effortless the way he was going around the track, and uh, he was just ended up gaining positions one after another. And by the end, he was racing for the lead again. Um, obviously, Dave's pretty good at the with that car, those that track and stuff. Um, but uh, no, and he gave a quick tip at the end, which I didn't even I didn't realize that that's how it worked. But I guess what he was saying is you go around and complete and come back to the pits. But the iRacing incident total doesn't get totaled until the last person is off the track, uh, is what he was saying in it. I don't know if the truth is to that, but uh, if that's the truth, that's something I've learned. I believe that was recently changed in a recent patch. It's been like that since I started. Yeah, it was that way for a long time. And then I'll have to go back and dig through the patch notes. I seem to remember when the last year or so, them actually fixing that where you would no longer collect X's after you pass the checkered. Okay, well, I, I didn't know that that was how it was previous. I just knew that you could still accumulate an X afterwards, but I didn't realize it was because of how many people, and I thought it was a time issue, wasn't it? Uh, it's it, Until everybody's done, it, the race is still active, yeah. But I thought it, that yeah. was, we'll have to ch- check, or maybe a listener may remember. I remember sometime in the last four patches reading something about them doing away with, with this basically this challenge that you can get X's after the checkered. I thought challenge this was accepted. a good, uh, a good video for, this is actually the iRacing YouTube channel and they put up Dave's video about how to get out, out of rookies on it. And I think it's the first time I've seen that where they brought up somebody who's like kind of outside of iRacing, uh, you know, to, to put up some good content. But I think Dave is a perfect choice for this. It might be, a, did they not hire him recently? I could have sworn that he was on their podcast like that he had done content like this for him and that they were actually just hiring him. I might be imagining that, but yeah, if not, maybe they should. If not, maybe they should a, hire him. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, it, maybe if not, it was a premonition. Well, essentially, anytime you're worried about safety rating, um, if you're really worried about safety rating and you need to boost it up, you simply have to stop worrying about eye rating. I just don't get hit. All right, let's keep moving. David, would you buy a lifetime eye racing subscription? No. I don't think I would either. Why would you buy a lifetime of anything that's not guaranteed? He at any point we we lease all this stuff. At any point they could just say that the service is done tomorrow and they don't have to give any of it back. Right. And what incentive would they have to continue driving the new content if the if if it wasn't based on subscription, really? If it's and it was, the software sorry, that gets pumped the software that gets pushed out just for release, and then they're going to go ahead and go on to the next release, and then it ends up being like all the stuff that's manufactured, where it's not built to last and it's not updated, and you have to buy it, buy a new game anyway, 50, 50 days later or fifty months later or whatever or weeks. Well, say like, what's the uh, subscription now? Like a uh, a year is like what a hundred and something. So say they make the lifetime one like a thousand dollars, like just hypothetically. Okay, you buy a lifetime thing for a thousand bucks. Okay, that's ten years technically, or just under ten years. I, it's not plausible for it's not smart business for iRacing to do it that way either. Right, then they're losing out on money. Eighty five hundred. They need okay. the money to trickle in, not come in all at once, right? <laughs> 
Well, I'm sure there's tax code implications there as well. It was just a hypothetical somebody put in the forums. He was speculating, hey, 5000 bucks, you know, lifetime membership. Uh, I don't think I would do it because you can't guarantee they'll be here 10 years from now, you know? One thing they though, that they could do, though, with some of that money they brought in is um, hire a new position, right? Yeah, so they got some uh, help wanted out of the Boston office, a senior 3D car artist slash assistant outsource manager. Uh, it's a unique opportunity uh, to participate in the creation of artwork for the sim and also guide the work of others. Um, you'll be working on creating race car 3D models, and another large part will be involving helping our car art director manage the process of outsourcing the graphical work. So that's, that sounds like a, a good position to have. Um, so they'll be designing the cars that uh, might go, need to go into this next topic, right, Chris? Yeah, next uh, tweet from Dale Jr. Um, saying, I'm hearing North Wilkesboro will be ready for a possible June release. I can't wait. For now, all I got for you is this cool screenshot. And he tweeted out a picture of the North Wilkesboro front stretch, the grandstands and the flag stands, just missing some fake fans and a glitchy flag man. <laughs> I think they fixed the, the flag man, but uh, kind of cool to see Dale actually uh, leaking photos. Yeah, it was really neat. It does look really cool, too. It's really neat to see that track, I don't know, kind of alive again. I'd like to, like, obviously, most of the tracks they've scanned are real life, tra are like tracks that are always, um, you know, they're all in use right now. I'd like to see what the photos they took in the process. Like, I would like to see a, a video made of how the, the whole process of going through this thing would, would, was done afterwards to resurrect something that isn't raced on anymore. Documentary soon. I'd watch that. Okay, and uh, you said you something. Were... Yeah, you said something about glitches. Uh, well, sometimes IMSA servers glitch as well. And um, it, there's a post at some point earlier this week. The sessions were not launching, but if that was if that happened, you did not lose I ratings as the sessions never occurred. It wasn't related to the new UI or the website. There was an issue with the scheduler not placing the races where they wanted to be. Seems like this has been happening a few times recently. Well, you. I never. Or did you ever go back and check to see if that other server that you had that problem with, Mike, ever finished? I haven't. No. It's. Uh, we were just talking about that in in one of the NIS races this week, or or A opens with just in general driver chat. Um, one of the at what something went on, and in one of the races that it it was pace car actually jacked up and everything, and they were they were still in there racing until it basically kicked them all out. So I think that I think that one's also dead and didn't end up counting for anyone anyone. Okay, well, they got work to do there. Greg, uh, OBS audio captures everything uh, people are talking about. Wow, this has probably become more of a topic since the uh, incident on the weekend. But uh, Chris A. a. Walker uh, kind of posted up about that. Uh, he was wondering if there's a way to isolate certain things to play. Because th he, he's using his headset and... OBS takes whatever's in your headset and translates it through. But is there a way to take out programs that are running in the background, like um, TeamSpeak and Caps and things like that? And I, I was actually interested by this too because I got to find a way to. I use my headset and have all the the spotter and all that stuff pump through, and it goes into my OBS. But I'd like to take our TeamSpeak out because of obviously incidents that happen and things like that. Nobody needs to hear what some of the things we talk about on our TeamSpeak and stuff like that. Especially so you. <laughs> Um, the, 
voice meter banana is a is a product i guess that the, they're talking about here and uh, he was just asking everybody's opinion on it um to do it so um i don't know the outcome of what they were talking about here i don't know if you ever actually tried um much of it but uh i'm, I'm going to look into this and see uh, how it works it's well, good have, yeah, david and i have been using that. that that's um actually that's just the fancy version of what we've been using david with okay, the yeah. voice meter stuff yep it just create you, you use virtual audio cable and it just creates a, another output and input on your in your sound properties and you through some basically virtual cable patching you make some stuff go through obs and you make the other stuff go direct to your headphones and boom problem solved yeah greg's virtual banana audio stuff, cable yeah greg's banana stuff is the full software of that stuff though it would be probably way easier to use than Try to well for me in my brain I had to write like I had to map out how I was going to use my virtual cables. It would have been a, easier to use that interface. I didn't have to map it out, but it, one of the patches changed all the sound settings, and I had to go back and reconfigure it. And those settings are kind of buried. You have to right click and left click and right click and left click to get to the right screen. But yeah, it does work well though. But yeah, I think if you're going to be doing a lot of it, yeah, spend a few bucks and just get that that whole interface to make it easy on yourself. Oh, you have to pay for it. You can use one virtual cable, I think, for free. But then if you want to add more, it costs a little bit. And then uh, what was that program called again, Greg? Voice Banana or yeah, Voice Meter like, Banana? Yeah, Voice Meter, Voice Meter, Voice Meter Pro, Voice Meter Banana. It's all kind of like I don't know a whole lot about the stuff, but that's their software basically, and it's like it gives you a whole mixing table basically to do this stuff. And it's not I, I can't remember the exact price, but it wasn't super expensive. We're talking. And I think with the voice meter, maybe it was like a donation deal too. I don't remember. It's not not expensive. There you go. Donate. It's donate. Yeah. See. All right. Supercars. Yeah. So this was a, a tweet I found um, of Max Verstappen and um, Shane or Van Gisbergen. Uh, Shane. Uh, yeah. Van Gisberg, um battling at uh, is it Catalina? I believe is where they're at. Yeah. Um, Catalonia. And the it's Van uh, Giesenberg setting him up down the long straightaway. And the slipstream with those V8 cars really worked well. And it just it showed uh, showed how pros set 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 up for a pass and and how easily you know they were able to to complete the pass and just drive like professionals in there. There wasn't there wasn't any bumping for it. It was just an outbreaking. Okay, so don't say it's easy to pass Max Verstappen at Spain, but yeah, he, uh, Shane Van Gisbergen made it look easy. And then he took the win for that race as well. Why? Can you imagine the, his confidence to beat a Formula One star like Max? Well, Max said he really enjoys those cars. He, it was it was fun for him to come down and you know race in that series with them. Okay, so next up we got an announcement about the 2020 IndyCar iRacing series. Uh, from Greg West in the forums. I think this came out yesterday. Uh, but it said it's going to closely follow the IndyCar schedule as of April 15, 2020. It will include most events prior to the June restart date. And so, uh, yeah, it's going to be five different time slot, slots through the week. And uh, there'll be three drops. Uh, license is D4O, road or better. And this is a series I'm going to be participating in. Bobby is painting or helping me finish up my paint for my car for it. So this is kind of like NIS for IndyCar, right? Yes. 
I wonder if there'll be some pros in this since, I mean, they can't race the real thing and the real season would be starting up and this would be a nice little, you know. Yeah, because they're missing a couple of tracks at the beginning because I can't do St. Petersburg, obviously. Um, and uh, uh, Long Beach isn't in there as well uh, at the early on in the season. So they're kind of missing some, but they got most of the schedule, which is really, really nice. Open sets. Go get think, it, guys. I think some of it, they, they did. It's not a full on thing of following the season because I don't believe they go. They don't go to Montreal. They don't. Um, do they race at Richmond in real life? I can't. They used to. And Gateway, they used to. I don't know if they still do anymore. No, they don't. So no, I think those are just fillers. You know, Maybe they're filling the weeks that uh, they were supposed to be at a certain track. Or off weeks. True. And next, the Indy 500. Yeah, this is the only time you're going to catch me in IndyCar. Um, but, yeah, that'll be coming up here shortly. And that's another one where, you know, this isn't going to happen in real life. This has been postponed. So, I mean, it could be August. a lot. Of, yeah, a lot of guys are really going to get fired up to run this thing, I think. Um, Bet you the t- there's going to be a pro one. There'll be yeah, a probably. pro oh, split. Sure. Oh, I, I would think so. And they have time to do it right, too. It's not going to be, you know, it's not dumped in their lap. They have time to prep for this. And um, they might run it on, you know, the weekend that the, you know, Memorial Day weekend. Um, our uh, weekend for the race is going to be the weekend of the 15th through the 17th. Um, Less than a month slots. away. What's that? Less than a month away. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. Why, why then, though, Chris? Why not during when we normally have the 500? Isn't that a week early or something? Well, it depends well, on every special event has been a week early, except yeah, for they US. always do everything a week early. Okay, for okay. I think reason. they do it so that you don't actually miss the racing too, right? Like they don't want, you know, the the, the Coke Six Hundred would be on a Sunday night, like people would be raced. Like I think they try and avoid the weekends of the actual race, the big ones. Yeah, and I'm I've always been kind of torn on that too because. I, I get that, and I, I come from that side, but at the same time, I get fired up when I watch a race on Sunday, and it would be kind of cool to keep, you know, for me to race that through for the week after. But, yeah, I don't know. But, yeah, for whatever reason, this stuff's always always on the weekend before. Well, and they got a, the one that special event that we're probably going to be able to race, but it's going to be very hard for them to do in real life if this epidemic doesn't uh, come, or the pandemic doesn't... Uh, calm down would be Lamar because Lamar is on s- streets and they schedule it to do it. So it's hard to reschedule and get plan everything around closing those streets up. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. There's um, a lot of opportunities to run this one, the Indy 500. Um, there'll be a race uh, Friday at 9 PM and Saturday, two races, one at 9 AM and one at 1 PM and then a race Sunday morning at 9 AM and uh, open to a D 4.0 or basically a C license and a full-length race, so get practicing. It's going to be a long one. Let's see if I can defend my two years in a row finishing second. And so I was kind of, you know, I'm always kind of um, half out of it when you're talking about the IndyCar stuff. But were you talking they could you can't adjust the weight jacker now, like, quickly in a race, so you, you just can't Unfixed. get that tight? It's the same as us, like, when, we, when we're racing. Okay, so on open, you, can't you do wedge can. and things like that. And tire pressures and stuff, they just, they in the fixed things they can't do the weight jacker but those will be open right so that's yeah those are open you'll be able yeah. to do all the adjustments in race and then okay, cool yeah okay david we have the most realistic sim ever 
Is this is just I'm trying to come up with a silly pun here. It's pretty crazy that you could actually break your sim rig from a wreck. And at, at this Monza race, the streamer his <laughs> his his rig broke. It was a faulty part, and uh, he's already had it replaced. But yeah, he he wrecked, and then his rig wrecked. His real rig. It's none other than IMSA star Jordan yeah, Taylor that's in a SimCraft rig. He was he was quick to point out that it was a non not a part of the SimCraft rig itself, or it was it was some other piece. He said non SimCraft part. Oh man, that would be you know that would be a butt puckering moment there when all of a sudden it lets go and you're like, what's going on here? Yeah, so you can see the replay where he, he's in the corner. It has a camera on him, and you see him getting jerked around as he's getting, do you know, wrecked. And then the whole rig just kind of turns over on its side, it looks like. He's lucky he didn't put the uh, the rim and stuff through the monitors because it looks like the rim came, like, because it has well, a quick release. Well, it has a lift up where on those rigs where you lift it up out of the way so you can crawl into the seat. Yeah, I'd just be worried about hitting those monitor screens with it. Like if it all like the way it kind of just lunged to the side there. Well, who I mean, no no better person for this to happen to than Jordan Taylor. If you follow him on Twitter, this is the kind of thing that happens to him. He's funny because he kinda at the end there he goes he kind of just nonchalantly goes, We wrecked. <laughs> all right, let's uh, go into the next one. Release notes. We had a, a release today, patch five. A uh, bunch of changes to the beta UI uh, for AI. Uh, they, I'm not going to really go through the details there because I'm not a big fan of the beta, but let's keep going. Uh, protest. It says the protest model window now dynamically validates as the form is being filled out. Um, and so that makes it easier to file protest, I guess. Um, they also um, have a thing called trusted spotters. It's a new feature. That has been added. It's a, available through the beta UI and the classic member site. It's an extension of the friends feature. You may, may now designate any friend as a trusted spotter. This allows them to join you as a spotter in any session. Uh, <clears throat> normal spotter rules still apply. Trusted spotters do not need a crew password, but if the hosted session has a password, the trusted spotter must use it. That's kind of cool. So basically, it's another friends list that you know it's it's a quick bypass list to uh, so they don't have to you know have your password right unless it's something that's a password protected room. So I would just put like only Tafosi team members as trusted spotters. You know, whoever you, you trust. trust. Well, sometimes <laughs> not not enough to host us at the at the Phoenix race. <laughs> Out. <laughs> I don't know right. if, if there is NASCAR. Now, this one uh, has been coming for a while, but it's finally here. Qualifying Conduct Scrutiny. A new system is now available to run during qualifying sessions to help prevent unrealistic preparation exploits. Generally speaking, the officials expect a driver to pull out under control, get up to speed relatively quickly, and complete their qualifying laps in a timely and controlled manner. The system first applies a furled black flag as a warning to drivers who have not been compliant with these expectations. If the behavior continues, a black flag will be issued and the driver DQ'd from the qualifying se session. So if you linger or screw around, you're getting the black flag. So basically, it's kind of putting a little bit of a timer on you to get to the green flag. I think once you roll off, if you're just putting around, yeah, you'll get a black flag. 
Yeah, minimum speed. Is it just timer, or do they actually have some some AI judgment elements that it's actually trying to determine if you're burning out or or spinning out? It doesn't say, and I think they don't say it specifically, so you don't know what the criteria is. Because I'm wondering what what happens if you accidentally spin it off pit road, then quick reset or something. Does that count? Like, there's going to be a whole bunch of things here. We're going to learn pretty quickly with it. Yeah, and apparently there's different levels of this scrutiny. Permissive, lenient, moderate, strict, or severe. So what's the answer? Don't screw around in qualifying, guys. All right, let's uh, see what else they had here. Uh, some race control stuff. Uh, two new admin controls uh, for controlling the timing of the start of a race. Uh, you can do a grid set, uh, space in, which is how many minutes the countdown timer is on grid. That's kind of cool. Uh, let's see what else. They fixed uh, the cautions do not count. Uh, and they fixed a problem with the IndyCar po uh, pit stops. And several audio uh, sounds have been uh, adjusted. Uh, a lot this of the cars, little adjustments in drafting and different things. They did not. Uh, the first thing I looked for in the cars was whether or not they rolled back the, uh, the 919 nerf. And the answer is no. And notice Richmond and Talladega have some graphical updates uh, for the upcoming races, obviously. Talladega says additional foam barriers have been added and some advertisements have been updated. I wonder if they're having a little bit more time to do to, in, in some ways to do some of these patches because they're not able to actually go anywhere to do any scans. And so it's shifted their focus a little. All right. Now, in the interest of time, we're actually going to skip hardware software. Uh, let's go into podcast uh, housekeeping. Don't forget to email me at iracerslounge at gmail.com your story ideas. It's been great getting links from listeners about that. It's very helpful. Take two seconds and send me a link, guys, and we're glad to have the help. Don't forget we're on Performance Motorsports Network on their 24-7 motorsports channel. Check them out. Now, let's jump to results. Uh, let's finish up uh, the week here. Wednesday Open, David Hall, P20. Uh, yeah, I just had this over-aggressive guy. He he rear-ended me into the guy in front of me going on a restart, going into turn one. And then after doing that, dove under me and hooked me and wrecked me. And it was just a nightmare trying to get back to, to a decent finish after that. The set was good. I just didn't get to use it. Yeah, and he was blaming you for the wreck, if I recall? Uh, he never said a word. Couldn't oh. get an answer. And then, Greg, you got P18. Should have been top five. Yeah, that race was... Uh, we had a long green flag run for almost 70 laps, and I kind of just... I was really, really loose off the corner. I know you were playing probably about the same... We had about the same issue with the way that setup was, Mike. And I started adjusting on it, and I started moving forward. And after we did that long green flag run... It was just caution after caution, and I was getting involved in a lot of stuff, and I I don't even know what happened. Like I, but when I first set, when I got to the point where it hands out a black flag, uh, for how many incidents you had, I was like, I can't even believe I'm here already. But there was a lot of contacts that shouldn't have been four X's, but I ended up ending that race by having 24 of 25 incidents, and I was pretty disappointed with that. Um, I'll take the P18. I just don't know what happened with those incidents. It's just, it just was a bad race, and I'm hoping I can. I got some ideas for tomorrow night's race, so um, working on that still. Yeah, I had a horrible race. I mean, it was pretty good going for a while there, but then it was a, a do not finish. Uh, 
I got caught up in other people's wrecks, just like you were saying. I wasn't even involved. It was like they were in front of me and I couldn't miss it. Uh, three different times, uh, and then it blew up on me, so I couldn't finish. Tom Dreeling, uh, he got P24, said he got wrecked early. Couldn't make up the six laps. I fell down uh, to repair the car. Nick Williams got a P21. He got up to P15, but got collected by two cars to my right, bouncing off the turn two wall. Learned a lot of info for Friday night and felt good for no practice. Tony Rochette, P35, wrecked out by passing a lap car as he bounced off the wall and put me in the wall on lap 25. Boy, he can't catch a break. And then Chris, you wrecked out too. Yeah, I was in the same race as Greg. And yeah, we had, it was weird because we had a really nice green flag run there at the beginning. And I, we were t- starting to talk fuel, and then we had a caution, and it was just one after the other. But nobody was getting wrecked out, just wrecked. And so it was just the same thing over and over, just <laughs> caution after another. And eventually I got one that I didn't didn't survive. Okay, and then David, you were able to run today. P18 top split, good run. Yeah, I had a faster car, but uh, had a caution in front early where um i thought all the cars went low so i was going high it was slowed down mostly but something happened on the on the up on the track still too the car in front of me slammed on the brakes and uh, i tagged him it was only 12 seconds of damage but it caused me to overheat for the rest of the race all right and then tom drilling ran he got his uh p5 uh maybe light at the end of the tunnel and my slide in the nis is done first top five with the team pretty happy good job tom and with that, let's jump to final thoughts. Chris Scales. We missed a result. What did we miss? We got a, I got a few things down in the official series, actually. Oh, that's right. Greg, you've been doing Rallycross. David, you go first. Yeah, I picked up my second win at Watkins Glen uh, over the weekend, and that was my 50th career road win. You were farming, right? Man, it, I was just getting so many good finishes there. There was it was a it's a it was a popular track, you know, being the Glen. A lot of people running there. A lot of people running the LMP. And I'm not as good as the super super fast guys there, but I was better than a lot. And um, every every race, I was either in a lower. I was at the top of a lower split, or I was finishing really well, even with with some of what we call the aliens in there. And I gained like 500 I rating. Get it while you can. And then, Greg, you were farming as well. Yeah, I was having fun in the uh, IRX Rallycross series. And, man, I've it's kind of like I was saying there earlier, though. Like, when you see a car, I was watching some of these the Rallycross race, and it's like, I want to I want to do that. And uh, so I hopped in, um, hopped in the other day after painting what I think is one of my better paint jobs of cars that I have here and uh, started racing. And I've got three wins in uh, eight races and uh i'm doing pretty good on the uh, rally side so i'm kind of keep doing it as much as i can i'm actually signed up for the one in a couple minutes here to go after the podcast go stack them up man let's get you out of rookie all right now final Already thoughts out of rookie. okay there you go chris scales uh i want to thank tony Groves real quick he hasn't been on the podcast the work's been busy for him um as a pimp in canada you know and corona but uh work's been busy but he's still been helping out in the background with the podcast and getting the script ready for us and stuff so i want to appreciate him and remind people of the irishers lounge aftermath so they don't get mad at me again not this week but next for the aftermath right yep you can download it always from <laughs> everywhere <laughs> listen to the old ones <laughs> yeah thanks to tony uh 
the the show notes, guys, you can get that in the description of the podcast. There's a link. And uh, Tony and Chris, they do a great job cleaning up my uh, chicken scratches that I kind of put in there throughout the week uh, to make it look presentable for everybody. So thank you to both you guys for working on that. All right, Greg Hectus, final thought. I'm just uh, really uh, enjoying the rally part of it. Um, I felt a lot better with the uh, cup race this week. Uh, I'm better on these short tracks uh, with braking zones and stuff, so I can't wait for the NIS tomorrow night. Um, yeah, so uh, you want to come watch me uh, race tomorrow? Um, I'm at uh, twitch.tv slash frozen cactus, frozen with two O's, cactus with two K's, and uh, just trying to just have fun now. I've, I'm kind of just enjoying some of these different series. Okay, David Hall, final thought? My Twitch stream is a little easier to spell. It's twitch.tv slash mixmage. Come on there, chat with me. I need interaction, especially when I'm at the road courses and there's those long straights or the caution fest that is Richmond. Maybe you can debate with him if that was his fault or someone else's fault. Uh, that's come up quite a few times, especially actually, actually that happened in the uh, race where where I got dumped by one of the pros. Um, several of y'all looked at it and one, one of my viewers actually jumped in and looked at it immediately because I had eight second or eight minutes of repairs, I think. And we, we went back and watched the replay, and he was like, yeah, he just ran right through you twice. All right, there you go. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, man, a tough week for iRacing, just the visuals of what happened with the Kyle Larson incident. And dang it, Kyle Larson, I, I'm just upset with you uh, that you kind of put iRacing in this bad light. But, you know, it happens. And, uh, you know, it, people are going to move on. Life goes on. Uh, I hope Kyle is able to recover from this and and continue a, a you know a good career in motorsports. Uh, oversaturation is what I'm thinking too with this iRacing stuff and NASCAR on NBC, Fox, and everything that's going on. But maybe it's like Evan said, you know, we're too close to it. You know, we're in the midst of it. We see all the different series, you know, and from an outside view, maybe it looks different. But I, I just think we're too close to it, and it feels like oversaturation, but. Maybe it isn't, but at this well, point, I'm I'm rambling. <laughs> there is a vacuum, though, because there's nothing else. That's right, and uh, who knows what's going to happen when the vacuum's over, when everything goes back to normal. That's really what the question is. What's going to happen? I guess we'll find out. And with that, uh, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.